We are looking at the Holy Spirit tonight. Um, it's so exciting. So I think we need his help. So why don't, we, um, why don't we begin by praying? Holy Spirit, we just want to welcome you again. We just want to declare tonight that we honor you. We worship you. You are God, the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for your presence with us. And we just ask for more, Lord. We can do nothing without you, Lord. So come and help us. Fill us afresh. Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. As Tim mentioned, we're doing a series in the Creed. Um, and we've come to the line tonight, simple line, this humble line. Five words, I'm just counting the words on my fingers. Five words long, but utterly life-changing, utterly world-changing. And it's the sentence, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I wonder what you most want to see happen in your life. I wonder what you're most hungry for, what your deepest desire is. And I would wager that it's dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit to get you there. You know, when I was 18, I wasn't yet a Christian, uh, believe it or not. And uh, I went on a camp and um, I'd done a lot of thinking about God by that point. I'd been on a journey for six months a year, asking the deep questions, uh, grilling my Christian friends, getting taken to church, to Christian Union. And I eventually got taken on a camp in the Easter holidays. And it's there that I heard a talk on the resurrection. I know I've told this story in different guises uh, throughout my time here, so forgive me. But uh, I got taken on a Christian camp and I heard a talk on the resurrection of Jesus. So I, I'd heard the nuts and bolts. I'd heard about the Father. The creed begins, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Yeah, I believed that there was a God, that this world, this universe must have come from somewhere. It must have a creator. Yeah, Father, sign me up. I believed in Jesus, in his life, uh, that he was crucified. You know, the historians don't dispute that, that he was indeed buried. But I didn't yet know him. I didn't yet know the power 
of his life at work in me. I'd seen this life in those around me, in these weird sort of Christians, these other teenagers who seem to just be happier than me. Do you know it's hard for you? Do you know what I mean? You're one of them. It's hard for you to know what you're like. But if you ever weren't a Christian, that's how you come across. Bear it in mind. You're full of life. We are full of joy. And I knew I didn't have this. But I heard a talk on the resurrection, and that deals with the rest of the creed. Jesus Christ, born of the Holy Spirit, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried. On the third day, what? He rose again. And he ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of God. The creed deals with the Father. It deals with Jesus. It tells us about what's been. It even tells us where Jesus is now. But what about today? How do we know God today? How do we have relationship today and a relationship that transforms us from the inside out, that gives us power to overcome? Well, this brings us to those simple five words, this humble line that we're looking at tonight. And it's appropriate that it's so humble because the Holy Spirit is so humble. He spends most of his time pointing us to other people, to the Father, to the Son. But we come tonight to this most important of lines, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And it's important because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us connection here, now, today, with all that's been, with all that's going on now, and with all that will be. And it's he that gives us the experience, the life-transforming experience, everything that deep down you really want in your life. It's he who gives us that experience, that ongoing transformation now. And when we say God is with us, he will never leave us nor forsake us. That is true because of the Holy Spirit. So it's no wonder that Jesus, when he, when he walked this earth, when he was doing his ministry, gathered his disciples together shortly before his arrest and uh, crucifixion. He gathered them to say, uh, I'm going away. This obviously shocked them. They're like, what? You're, you're the hope of Israel. You're the hope of the world. You're the Messiah. How can you be going away? And he said, this is actually good news. And they're like, what? Good news? You raise the dead. You heal the, the blind man. You cleanse the leper. How is it good news that you're leaving? And Jesus says, it's good news because if I go, I will send another to be with you. The spirit of truth. And he will be in you. It almost sounds like heresy. But the truth is, it was better that Jesus went away than that he stayed on the earth at that time. Why? Simple mathematics. There's only one Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, he's limitless. And he can be in all places at all times, simultaneously, transforming lives, multiplying the impact of the ministry of Jesus. You see, Jesus isn't done. The Acts of the Apostles, when Jesus uh, has risen again and he uh, goes and ascends into heaven and basically says bye-bye 
to his disciples, says, go and wait in the city for the power to be poured out from on high. The spirit, the gift of the father you've heard me talk about, he sends them on their way. Luke describes, he writes in the book of Acts at the beginning, he says, in my first book, Theophilus, I began to write and describe all that Jesus began to do and and teach in his life here on earth. Why began to do and teach? Well, because he's still not finished. He's still at work. And he's at work in and through us. You and me, through his church, by the Holy Spirit. It's good news that Jesus went because he sent the Holy Spirit. And we have got a job to do. Does that sound exciting to you? To continue the ministry of Jesus. We are his body on earth. Jesus did some pretty crazy things. Are you up for doing some of that? Yes, thank you. Well, that's probably the response we should expect if we don't have the Holy Spirit living in us. But if we have the Spirit of Christ living in us, then we have the very same Spirit that was at work in Jesus, in us, his people, the church. This is what's available to us. But so often we don't realize it. So often we don't believe it. So often we don't walk in it. In fact, it's the devil's chief aim to stop us knowing that truth and being transformed by it. So it's my goal that by the end of this evening, having taught a bit on the Holy Spirit and what we believe, that when I next ask that question, we will all let out a roar like, yes! Because we know who we are and we know whose we are. And we know the one who lives within us. So, to begin, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, one simple answer. He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not just a sort of appendage, you know, a nice accessory. He's not just a sort of add-on who just does some cleaning up behind the two main players. He is God. We believe in God, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Genesis 1-2 says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In other words, the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. He's been around since the beginning. He was involved in the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Mary, who we looked at a few weeks ago in the Creed, who became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. He brought about the life of Christ in flesh. And he's involved in every Christian's new birth, being born again into the kingdom of God, bringing us to living faith. In a word, he is God. And he is here with us right now. That simple truth should be the most exciting thing, the thing we most look forward to about gathering together as church. Because Jesus said, where two or more of you gather together in my name, I am there in the midst of you. God himself is here with us. The Holy Spirit is here. And yeah, we should be excited about worshipping, about hearing the word of God, about hanging out, doing community, being the family of God. 
but we should also be expectant every time we gather about what's the Holy Spirit going to do? How is he going to speak? How is he going to change us? How is he going to touch our hearts? And this is something we want to value, that we do value here at St. D's as a church. We want to honor the Holy Spirit, his ministry. We want to give him space because he alone can transform us. And he's not to be feared. You know, there's nothing to be scared of. I know in sort of, when I went to school a long time ago, uh, we used to say sort of, you know, believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And, you know, we use the word ghost, which isn't helpful, if I'm honest. I don't know why we used, or why they ever used the word ghost. But if, you're, if that's what you're thinking, like, gosh, he's a ghost, he's a bit weird, a bit creepy, something to be afraid of, put that out of mind. He's the spirit of Jesus. It's like having Jesus walk among us. Jesus, speak to us. The person who knows you better than you know yourself. Who loves you more than your mum, your dad, the person who loves you more than anything. There's nothing to be scared of. And what's more, he wants to do great things in our lives. Put a hand in the air. If you want God, just, you're just like sitting there and you're just like, I want God to do great things in my life. Stick a hand in the air. Give me a hand. Come on, church. There's about 50% of hands not in the air. Give me a hand. Let's see. You want great things in your life. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is his business. This is what he wants to do. So he's here. He's walking among us. He's living inside of us. But what does he want to do? I want to look at some things tonight. The first thing, possibly the most important thing that the Holy Spirit does, is he brings life. He cannot help but bring life. Have you ever seen a dead body? Give me a... Give me a wave. Have you ever, ever seen a hand in the air? Ever seen a dead body? So a number of us have seen a dead body. I've only ever seen one dead body. It was during my theological training. I mean, that might make sense. Um, no, it, we went on a field trip, actually, to a, a, a funeral directors. And uh, it was a great day out. Um, this funeral directors, they have a number of rooms, like these private sort of meeting rooms set apart outside the main building which is where they will dress and uh, present the dead for friends and family, I think, to, to go and visit, to pay their last respects before they get cremated or get buried. And they had one gentleman who was all set. He was ready to go wherever he's going. Um, and we went in to pay him a visit. And the weird thing is, walk through this door, beautifully lit, flowers are out, nicely presented. It's odd, there's a coffin. But... He looked absolutely fine. He, genuinely, he looked amazing. I mean, he was in a suit, he had a tie on, you know, his hair had been done. Um, it's only when you got up closer that you thought something slightly amiss. He's wearing a fair, fair bit of makeup, uh, but fair enough, a lot of people, a lot of guys wear makeup today, so nothing wrong there. Bit of lipstick. But do you know the thing that was missing? This man who looked fine, looked alive. Do you know what was missing? Anyone want to shout out? <laughs> Mobile phone. No, he had that. He wasn't breathing. There was no breath going in or coming out of him. 
he was dead. It takes breath to bring life. Every one of us is here today because we are still breathing. And please don't come if you've stopped breathing. <laughs> Unless you want us to actually do, we'll pray for you. We will pray in the power of the Spirit, resurrection life. Breath brings life. Everything that has breath has it because of the Spirit of God. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. In Hebrew and Greek, um, the word uh, for spirit is the same word as is used for wind or breath in both languages. I find that amazing. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. He breathes and brings life. It's one of his key roles. And the thing for us to know is that he's still doing that today. But spiritually speaking, he is the one who breathes and brings spiritual life to his people, to his church. And we are dependent upon that. The Bible points to that again and again. You'll be familiar with the book of Ezekiel where God gives the prophet Ezekiel a vision of this, or takes him to this place of dry bones, this landscape just filled with a fallen army. They are just dry bones. And bit by bit, God, in his power, brings them back together. There's a rattling sound. The bones come back together. This, the ligaments come uh, joining the bones together. Muscle, sinew comes on that frame. Then flesh and skin covers it all. And yet still there was no life in it. And God said, prophesy. Prophesy to the breath to come and fill this army. And so Ezekiel does. And the breath of God fills this army and brings them to life. It's a picture of what the Holy Spirit does, what he offers. Jesus, in his ministry, causing a stir, lots of Pharisees wondering who he was. Nicodemus, one of the leading Pharisees, came to him by night, just wanted to scope him out, figure out what he was about. And Jesus spoke to him and said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind, Spirit, blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The Spirit gives life now. He will give life then. Whenever it is that Jesus comes again. And if he comes in 200 years and all of us are dead and gone, it will be the Holy Spirit that brings us back, that breathes life into us once again so that we can go and be with the Lord forever in glory. The Spirit brings life. Secondly, the Spirit brings power. Now all of us know what it's like to see something uh, being moved by an unseen force. If any of you have been on a sailboat or seen one or watched some kite surfers in action or just seen a newspaper being blown along the street or perhaps villages flattened 
by a hurricane on the news. We know what it's like to see the power of the wind, an invisible force. And in the same way, the Spirit moves powerfully in the world. He gives power to his people. He gave power to Joshua in the Old Testament to lead God's people into the promised land, to lead with wisdom. He gave power to Samson, you know, that beast who was always picking fights. The Spirit would come on him and he would just go at people. He killed about a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, he was on fire. I mean, the Spirit doesn't normally do that, not today so much, but that's what the Spirit does. He equips, he anoints, he empowers. He came on Bezalel to do artistic jobs, to, to help uh, bring about the sanctuary for God's presence, the Ark of the Covenant, to rest in. Any artists out there, call on the Spirit, ask for his help. He gave his Spirit to David, King David, when he anointed him to be leader of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested like a dove on Jesus when he got baptized. Sent him out into the desert for his, his temptations. And then we read that Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he filled his church on the day of Pentecost when finally the promise of the Father was fulfilled. And the church was born and preached the gospel with power, seeing thousands saved. The Spirit did it all. But it all begins with our hearts, with having our hearts changed. And every one of you will know what's going on inside your heart. Every one of you will know the ways in which you're held back, in which you're not free, the fears you have, the things you wrestle with, whether it's understanding your own identity, whether it's getting over things from the past, whether it's habits or addictions, niggling the stuff you just can't seem to get free of. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring you and me power to break free of this stuff. He's the spirit of Samson. And nothing, nothing is as strong as him. The spirit brings power. Thirdly, what the Holy Spirit does. The Spirit convicts of sin. We all know what those chats are like, don't we? Where you're trying, you get in a conversation with a housemate or you know, a uni mate or a workmate. You think, oh my gosh, it's the Christian conversation. It's come about. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I'm now going to share my testimony. I'm going to show them like, what their need for Jesus. And you get onto the point and then you're, you're desperately trying to lead them to the point of like knowing you are a sinner and you need a saviour. Do you know what I mean? Those moments where you're trying to persuade them to just, can you see my point of view? Your desperate need for a saviour, can you see that? And they're just not coming around to it. <laughs> it's hard work, isn't it? In fact, it's impossible work for us to convince someone that they are a sinner. Why? Because it's not our job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world in regard to sin. It's his job to put his finger on the things in people's lives and say, it's time to sort that out. It's his job alone to convict. We can play our part. We can share our story. We can preach the gospel. But it's the Holy Spirit who takes that message and fills it with power, who drives it home, who convicts. 
He alone can convince people that they are sinners in need of a saviour. And this is good news for us, guys, because we just play our part and we leave the heavy lifting to God. The ball's in his, in his court. Jesus said in his last uh, speech to the disciples before his arrest in John's Gospel, he said, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong, in the wrong, about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He alone can open our eyes. So expect him to do that. Don't be surprised if at times your eyes are opened and you feel convicted about specific things you've done, things you've said, things you've not said or done. That's the Holy Spirit. Welcome it. Why? Because he's wanting to bring about the likeness of Jesus in your life, in my life. He's wanting to refine and purify us. This is what the Holy Spirit does, right? I mean, it's, it's slightly there in the name, isn't it? He's the Holy Spirit. And he wants to prepare a holy people for the return of their Lord, and their Savior, to be a spotless bride on that day. This is what the Bible holds out. This is the process of sanctification. God at work in us, making us into the likeness of Jesus, bringing about the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You know the rest. And when John the Baptist preached, he spoke of one to come, Jesus saying, I baptize with water, but the one to come, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire is to do with purification. I wonder sometimes how much we welcome the fire as much as we welcome the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, I'm in a place where I want to welcome the fire. I want the stuff that holds me back, the ropes that I'm tied up with on the inside, I want them to be burnt away. I want to be set free. I want to be purified to be refined. And it takes fire to do that. Why? Because this stuff, sin, the stuff that opposes us can get such a strong hold on us that it needs the fire of God to break us free. It's like a silversmith who is refining his silver and not for one moment does he take his eye off it because he's watching for that last impurity to be burnt off before he can take it out of the heat. So if you're going through the heat right now, if you're feeling that refining, that conviction, don't push it away, don't reject it. Embrace it. Welcome it. Say yes, Holy Spirit. Have your way in me. Do your work. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Fourthly, he comforts us. Those final words in John's Gospel again, Jesus says he's leaving. He says it's good news. Why? Because he will send the comforter to be with them. The word he uses uh, in the Greek is parakletos, which uh, literally means comforter, advocate, or counselor. He has the sense of one who comes alongside. 
Now, if you've done Alpha before or been on a Holy Spirit weekend, you'll be familiar with this uh, story, but it was too good not to borrow. So um, here it is. There was an article in the Independent newspaper about a guy called Alan Anderson, who's a 24-year-old guy who was flying in a light aircraft. And in this light aircraft, there were just two people. There was, there was Alan Anderson and the pilot. And Alan Anderson had absolutely no flying experience. And as they were flying, the pilot dropped dead from a heart attack. And here was this guy, no flying experience, on his own in this light aircraft. Well, he managed to send out a Mayday emergency call. And a guy called Robert Legg, who is a flying instructor, responded to the Mayday call and caught up with him at about 2,000 feet above Penarth near Cardiff. And it so happened that there was also a radio enthusiast whose name was Howard Day, who happened to be listening in to their radio conversation as this instructor responded to the emergency. The first thing that Anderson said was, was when he saw the instructor coming alongside, he said, I can see you. To which Leg, the instructor, said, okay, just listen to my instructions. Take the throttle and pull it slightly until the RPM drops down to about 2,300. Anderson, which is the throttle? <laughs> Leg, there should be a black lever in the center of the panel. That's fine. Let the airplane fly itself. Anderson, I wish it would. Leg, read the airspeed. Anderson, the airspeed's 105. Leg, look, I'm on your right-hand side. Just relax. Are we going down? We are shortly, yes. Bank gently to the right. We're aiming for the wide tarmac airstrip to the right of the red and white lights. Can you see it? Anderson, affirmative. Leg, reduce the power slightly now. What's your airspeed? Anderson, 100. Leg, pull back very gently on the control column. Close the throttle. Just hold it there. Pull gently back and hold it there. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold the, co hold the control column back. Relax. Okay, on the rudder pedals, press the top of the rudder pedals, you'll find the brakes. Press both rudder pedals together, you'll find the brakes. Anderson, I can't find the brakes. <laughs> Leg, don't worry, the emergency vehicles are coming up behind you. Just sit in the aircraft, leave the engine running, turn the keys to, to off and take them out. The engine should then stop. Has the engine stopped? Anderson, the keys are out. Just stopping now. Thank God. Leg, you're welcome. It's all in a day's work. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside us in this life with whatever we're going through, with whatever we're facing. And he gives us the experience of having Jesus with us by our side, even though he's sat at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He comforts us. He gives us peace. And the book of Romans says he testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. In other words, he helps us feel safe, that we are accepted, that we are loved. Finally, fifthly, the Holy Spirit assures us of our salvation. Romans says he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit being our pledge of salvation, if you like. It speaks about him being the deposit, a deposit made by God 
into our very hearts, into our very beings, a down payment, if you like. And if any of you have ever put a deposit on something, you know you do that because there's more to come, because you are laying claim to that very thing. And in giving us his Holy Spirit, God is saying, that one's mine. I'm coming back for him. I'm coming back for her. The Spirit is God's deposit, down payment on us. He's got dibs on us. There's nothing to fear. And if God lives within us, then where does that mean we will be for eternity? If God is united and will one day be God forever, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then what does that mean for us if we are in God and God is in us? It means that we too will be with God in glory, sharing that eternal life, having that wonderful, beautiful vision of Christ reigning on his throne in the Father's glory. Amazing news. The Spirit is a guarantee of more to come, more love, more joy, more relationship, healing, wholeness, freedom. So much more. And we are a people of the Spirit. We live in the age of the Spirit. And the thing our world and society cries out for is for people who truly live in that freedom, who know that intimacy, who walk by the Spirit, who demonstrate the fruits of a holy life, a life transformed, who know that power and are able to offer it to a world that is broken, to continue the ministry of Jesus, who came to seek and save what was lost. And that's our job, guys. That's who we are as the people of God, as the church. And if we're to do that, we need to depend on the Holy Spirit more and more. And this is why we value ministry time here at St. Dee's, here at church, and want to make more space for ministry time. Because when we finish this service, as we're about to do shortly, you, do, you experience it every week. We'll get you to stand, the worship band will come up, and we'll perhaps invite the Holy Spirit to come and we'll just wait. That, just, that isn't just an add-on where it's just a little bit wacky. That is us putting our faith into action, concretely standing on that line in the creed saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that God being at work in this place, this evening, in these people's lives, in a way that Yes, we cannot see it, but yes, it's still very real and life-changing. This is why prayer ministry matters. This is why we want to facilitate. In, uh, next month, we're going to lay on some prayer ministry training to teach about the theory and the practicalities of actually what it means to pray for other people because we want to raise up a team, an army of those equipped to lay hands on one another, to pray God's blessing over each other and for the Holy Spirit to fill us. This is what we want to go after, guys, because we need the Holy Spirit. Because without him, Jesus doesn't fulfill or carry on his ministry. Without him, we don't experience transformation in our own lives or go and offer it to a world that desperately needs it. So I don't know about you, but does that sound good to you? To go after that? To wait on him? To welcome him? To invite him to fill us? 
and to offer it to those around? Well, why don't we do that? Shall we stand? <laughs>